Meet the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jenna Sargent Barron, news editor at SD Times. Hello. In this week's episode, we are hearing from Jason Barris, SVP of Developer Tools at Infragistics, and George Abraham, product leader at Infragistics. And we are going to be talking about how AI will change the low-code ecosystem. We'll touch on how low-code vendors are starting to incorporate AI into their applications, and also what's realistic to expect today. This episode was also sponsored by Infragistics. They have hundreds of components for developers that are designed for a number of different areas like design, UX, business intelligence, productivity, and more. They also have a low-code tool called App Builder that allows you to quickly design and develop applications using a simple drag-and-drop interface. So to get started, can you each introduce yourselves for our listeners? Yes, my name is Jason Barris. I'm a senior vice president at Infragistics. I manage the product teams and product management, and I've been with Infragistics for about 20 years. Hi, I'm George. Uh, I manage the product experience for our local tools at Infragistics, one of them being App Builder. Uh, historically, I've been an HCI person or human computer interaction. And then since then, I have moved into product management, product ownership. And now I'm finally resting with that builder. Great. It's it's great to have you both on today to kind of talk about basically what we'll be talking about today is kind of the emergence of AI and how that's going to impact the low code ecosystem. So I guess to start off, what use cases are you currently seeing around low code and AI? Sure. Um, I can I can take that first, George, and, and just from what I've seen in the last maybe year or maybe a little bit more and then what sort of emerged with chat GPT taking over in the last couple of months. I think prior to chat GPT, we were looking at tools like GitHub Copilot and others that kind of enabled a better coding help experience in low code tools. So you might have had, um, you know, a, a bot or some sort of tool which would give you help along the way, maybe generate a little bit of code, maybe give you code suggestions. Coupled with that, you had companies like Google, Amazon, uh, Microsoft offer AI services on their cloud platform. So I think you saw low-code tools integrate uh, image recognition, um, text recognition, OCR, uh, you know, language translation, things like that started uh, to appear, but it was mostly based on what was available from like the big vendors uh, and how they could be integrated into low-code tools to offer features um, for those customers, uh, chatbots being one of those as well. But I do think that with ChatGPT and the ability to have more of an API-driven experience, there's more opportunity to innovate and deliver different types of features in low-code tools. Obviously, nat natural language processing being one of them, which ChatGPT is great at, parsing language, giving suggestions, automating anything that has to do with text, uh, code generation being another one. So how can I um, maybe generate some scripts or functions that otherwise I would have had to write in the past based on the context of my application? And then it kind of goes on from there where you might be doing um, data, data analysis, mock data, 
uh, data structures um, and, and things like that to generate what you might use in the back end. Um, so I believe that with these, this sort of revolution of chat GPT and the ability to do API driven um, low code uh, AI, it gets much more interesting and there's much more to offer beyond what maybe we could have done in the past with some of the big cloud services that were available. It's been pretty interesting from my end as a designer, when I look at these solutions out there, while I waited forever to get an invitation to chat GPT, I was just trying to figure out, you know, how does this thing really work? And, you know, my understanding is that at the end of the day, it's all language models. So it is highly reliant on how much I can describe what I want accurately enough. So it becomes the art of asking questions uh, nicely in order to get something meaningful. And everything with Jason said, it is something how I've been using it, right? It's like getting started, getting all my resources if I need something uh, to ask this uh, AI to provide it for me so that I don't have to go hunting on the web. And sometimes everything is driven by context, right? Like what do I need it for? What is it that I specifically need it, need it to do? And if I can describe it well enough, it will provide me something. And then it gets more interesting with, I don't know if uh, people have heard about Mid Journey, uh, which is going into the visual realm, right? Like on, on the chat GPT side, it's all language-based. And mid-journey is creating things, visual stuff. And now we're looking for that merger, right? Where there are a lot of solutions out there which are trying to do it. But it all boils down to how well can I describe the context for what I need in order for the AI to deliver um, something back to me. And I found this interesting comment, like, have people forgotten IBM Watson? Uh, because that was also out there for a long time, as, as Jason mentioned, the cognitive models. Uh, and people are like, hey, nobody's talking about these things anymore. And, and where do they actually fit in the in the larger landscape? Yeah, it definitely seems like there's a lot of talk about how like what prompts you give it is like really crucial to like what you actually get out of these these technologies. We saw the prompt engineer title. Yeah being used extensively by Microsoft and others. So uh, that is absolutely true. If, if you don't ask the AI the right question, you won't probably get what you expected, but you learn and you refine your questions and you just get better and better at it. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how different low-code vendors are starting to incorporate this technology into their platforms? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily have like x vendor is doing this but i do have some general um ideas and I, I saw some announcements that some folks made made recently but i think the the low code market in general sort of revolutionized how we look at application development and i think moving forward with ai we're revolutionizing how people are not only doing low-code development, but everything about what they're doing at work. So low-code is part of that, and AI is just going to accelerate that. And I look at, uh, they did um, an article, and it was part of um, what Satya Nadella mentioned about GitHub, and the the exercises they gave developers to test uh, the efficiency of GitHub Copilot versus writing it yourself without help, without the GitHub Copilot help, was 50% uh, slower to build, or you can say that it took half the time to actually build an application using GitHub Copilot. So when you think about a low-code tool 
can help you create screens or build a CRUD app um, to a backend database with just simple drag and drop. And you don't have to think about what goes into that. Now we look at implementing more complex scenarios and more code and you're saving 50%, 75% of that time. So it really is sort of revolutionizing the way that we can deliver low code and no code because it can be much more complex. And as a low code or no code developer or citizen developer or um, you know power user is, is creating applications, they can do much more sophisticated things um, because they have AI helping them along the way. And I think we're going to start seeing that revolution. Now, I have seen some uh, some low-code, no-code um, vendors integrate, you know, AI chatbots into their experiences, um, integrated um, OCR technology and image recognition into their experiences. So before, maybe the customer had to have their own models, their own backend, or subscribe to their own cloud service to do this. Now it's just purely integrated as a component per se in the low code toolbox. So it, again, it's saving more and more of that time. And I think as we continue to explore and learn more over the next maybe you know six to 12 months with uh, ChatGPT and the generative AI, there's going to be more innovation. Thinking that ChatGPT was more or less just released to the wild in the last couple of months, uh, we've we've seen a lot of interesting ideas, um, but we haven't seen like I don't believe the full benefit of it inside of some of this tooling. Uh, and I do think, um, you know, even from the design side, if you look at uh, basic things like how do I take my application and theme it and maybe brand it differently, all of that can be generated for you now where maybe before you had to set properties and things like that. So it'd be interesting to hear George's take on how he sees low code vendors integrating maybe this into their applications or what he thinks the future is, because I think the design side is, is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think uh, this whole job of an AI coach or uh, an AI smart tutor and I saw Khan Academy uh, do a wonderful implementation of uh, AI. I mean, it's not really application development, but it's like, imagine all the course material which has to be developed uh, for somebody to learn a certain concept. AI can actually now generate specific material for you on the fly. So from a, non, from a person who is not a developer, I really see uh, these AI tools quickly provide, you know, the shell of application experiences. I can see it uh, as a way of asking it to explain it to me, like how does this piece of code work? And that I found it to be very useful. I, I think I, even as a developer, when he's reviewing somebody else's code, just to let the AI tell me, what do you think is happening in this piece of code? It can be very useful. And the more important thing for a professional developer, you know, they can look at these AI coaches as a way of filling in the gaps, right? What are the things you haven't considered? Which is what we really want from these things. Like, this is my second brain. This is the brain which maybe knows more, but it doesn't know which pieces of information to give me. Uh, but if I can give it context, like I said initially, I give it a context of this is my app. What am I missing? What should I do for accessibility? What should I do for, you know, improved performance? 
those are very targeted and specific questions a professional developer can use or um, or a junior developer transitioning into a senior can actually use to kind of educate themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think is actually like realistic to expect from low-code tools that incorporate AI into them? I think the the way that that AI in any tool. So Microsoft announced uh, a, a Microsoft Copilot, I believe it's called, <clears throat> and that's in beta now, and it'll be generally available later in the year. But the idea is that even in Word, Excel, PowerPoint, all these things are like I get these this everyday AI where it just becomes part of my life, um, and I I eventually don't notice it. Um, and what that's going to do, and, and this is also included in low code tools, is that while the technology is new, people are going to be experimenting with lots of ideas, right? There's going to be a lot of things that come out and fail, and then a lot of things that come out and succeed or will be refined as there's more and more user feedback. But what it's doing ultimately is removing the mundane, repetitive tasks that we do every day. So low code was removing the mundane, I have to build out this data entry screen that my developer shouldn't waste time coding because they've done it a million times. And through a WYSIWYG drag and drop, they're building out this stuff. And I think all of a sudden, you're going to see more and more capabilities and features in low-code tools that just happen. And it won't be this big splash. Like, of course, a, a template or an AI can generate a screen based off of the structure of a database. But is that really... Um, the best use of AI, maybe, maybe for basic CRUD apps, but are there more things that we can do uh, with AI and low-code tools? And, and in, in my opinion, while there is <clears throat> folks saying, hey, this is going to save you know 50% of your time, or it'll remove 30 to 50% of the mundane tasks that you do over and over again, it's going to eventually just increase the sophistication of applications. So where where Gartner and others had these graphs that said, if you're using low-code or no-code tools, they're not for those mission-critical apps that you might, you know, want to deploy out to your enterprise or to your customers. Leave those for all the developers. I think with AI, we're going to be more comfortable bleeding into that space of the mission-critical apps because we'll be more confident in the results that are coming in the code that's generated on the back end. Um, and the sophistication of what it can offer. So I believe over time, we just see that the experiences improve, the uh, sophistication improves, and we can do more with low-code tools on those mission-critical apps versus maybe some of the basic CRUD apps or data entry apps that we see today. You know, when I look out uh, on on the blogosphere, you know, when people talk about the chat GPT, they always talk about how quickly did they accrue users on their platform? Uh, and they show this hockey puck, right? Where they're like, whoop, they actually achieved a, a significant milestone of user base within a, a way shorter amount of time. But I would posit that those users are still early adopters, right? So they, they are on board with any new technology and they're willing to experiment and try it out. But a vast majority of people are still feeling threatened because they just don't understand it well enough. And that could be told about our low-code platforms too, right? Like traditional developers would be like, oh my God, there's a low-code tool out there. It's going to just take over my, you know, basic development job. They're able to create UIs quickly. So visual developers would be like, okay, I have nothing else to do. 
But the real truth is that all low-code tools which are out there, they're highly templated, right? They have a specific set of things you can do very easily. And as long as you can find within those boundaries, you'd be able to create your app really quickly. But with the AI aspect, it's about taking those templates and providing it as a seed and then being able to extend it very quickly into newer scenarios or, or more nuanced scenarios is going to be the true test of AI, right? Like how do I provide it with some very specific requests which are not verbal, which are not textual? And how do I use that information to say, okay, give me something more based on what I just gave you, right? How do you both see this like integration between these two technologies sort of playing out in the next few years? Yeah, I think this year, 2023, is a, a big year for experimentation and testing ideas. Uh, and I think, you know, next year, 2024, we'll see more, more AI capabilities that have been tested out, sort of maybe proven with vendors and their customers. Uh, and then things be just become more mainstream. I think everyone is trying things today. Everyone's seeing what sticks, what makes sense. Uh, and they may learn that what they think is their customers need in AI isn't really what they need. Uh, and they're going to refine it and they're going to learn from it. So I do believe that it is, we're just at the very beginning of this, uh, but this is definitely a year of experimentation. And I see more and more uh, useful AI capabilities probably next year. Uh, you know, 2025, et cetera. Everyone is spending a ton of money on it. And I think chat GPT was a wake up call because all of the predictions around AI all of a sudden had to be accelerated by years uh, where we said, oh, by 2026, you know, 30% um, of low code tools will incorporate AI. Well, now by 2026, if you don't have AI in your low code tool, then you're really not in the game. Uh, so I, I do think that everyone's backlogs have accelerated the investment is going to be much more heavy and significant this year. We're going to see a lot of things uh, being tried out and we can look forward to maybe more mainstream features you know, next year and beyond. I mean, for me, it's been interesting because, uh, you know, I see it as a power of a new technology and, and there were things we used to do in the past. So we have to revisit all those processes to say, okay, what we used to do, now what we should do. And now that we have incorporated this new technology, what should be the path going forward? And that stuff is still murky uh, for, for the rest. But the one thing which does feel like a pseudo threat is uh, who's, who's, whose knowledge is this AI using? I mean, I'm sure it's using mine and some other people's knowledge, but then I would wonder like, what is my unique contribution to the workflow or to the to the work environment here and like how do i get credit for my originality which the ai is using so i don't know how regulations was going to shape you know the future of ai also because that is a significant factor is even copilot it's using something as its source uh, and that could be contributions for individuals right who may never get credit for for what they actually contributed uh, in terms of the world. So this is going to be a, a big challenge. Like, where is your knowledge uh, being extracted from, uh, which is going to determine, you know, how the quality of the output is going to be? We're about out of time here, but what is one takeaway from our conversation that you really hope listeners will leave with? I would say, you know, look before you leap, uh, kind of to, to go off of what George just, just said, that, 
you, you really need to make sure what you're using is correct, is, uh, you know, uh, allowed. Uh, the data is coming from uh, a source that is verified. You know, there's all these stories about ChatGPT being very confident, giving completely wrong answers. Um, and this will continue. So absolutely look before you leap, but experiment, try it out. It absolutely will save you a ton of time, even today with lots of tasks, um, but to incorporate it into your uh, software development lifecycle, into your workflows, into your DevOps, you know, make sure that you do fully understand um, what you're using, what, where the data is coming from, how the backends are available, um, and everything that would normally go into you choosing tooling or determining uh, what the best tooling is for your workflows. For me, it's like just having this conversation, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to think about what is that tipping point? And I don't think so the tipping point is, has arrived yet. It's what is the tipping point for AI to go mainstream? And when I go say mainstream, I mean, like, when do we start trusting it completely? Uh, in order for it to do or work as my agent, right? In order to complete the mission, I, I assigned it to it. And that is the part I'm not, I'm still unclear about. Uh, and it's just raising more questions for me. It's like, how do I know to be confident in AI? Yeah, that's, I, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. That is the big question. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it was great talking to both of you. Thanks for sharing your insight with us. Thank you, Jenna. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks, Jenna. If you'd like to learn more about Infragistics and their development tools, visit their website, which we will include a link to in the show notes. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast already, go ahead and do that so our new episodes will show up in your podcast feed. And finally, if you like the show, leave us a review on that app as well. Tune in next Tuesday for another episode of the show. 